Welcome everyone, I'm Donna Chavis, your host, and what a program I have for you today. I have a very, very special guest with me. Please welcome Sid Roth. Hi, Sid. Well, thank you, Donna. It's so nice to be on the, your set on the other side of the where I normally am. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I found out that you had agreed to be on something more, our audience, you know, we just, we love our audience here and we always want to bring the best guests that we can to them. And when I found out that you had agreed to be on the program, I thought to myself, if I were watching at home, what would I want to know about Sid Roth? We see you interview guests from all over the world all the time. I mean, gifted, wonderful guests. But we don't get to hear from you. What would I want to know about you? Sid, I know as a young man, you were an Orthodox Jewish man. How did you come to know Jesus the Messiah? Well, every time that a Jewish person comes to Jesus, they're breaking normally mm. 2,000 years of religious bondage. There is much beauty and much good in Judaism. Both of my parents were Jewish. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, I did a DNA recently, and I found out that my ancestry goes all the way back to the tribe of Judah. Wow. So uh, most non-Jews don't know this, but a Jewish person um, that doesn't even go to the synagogue, doesn't even believe in God, still wants to be Jewish because yeah. Christians separate religion and life, but Jews have it all combined. You're, you're a Jew even if you're an agnostic. You're a Jew, even if you're an atheist. It's in our genes, it's in our DNA, it's a culture, it's a lifestyle. Uh, mm -hmm. And you don't even think about being something else. As a matter of fact, uh, some are told this, but it, you, you just kind of sense um, uh, the definition of Judaism is don't believe in Jesus, but mm. you can believe in mm. anything else. So anyway, that was why the I, but I was raised in a traditional Jewish. So it's home. almost a miracle when Every a Jewish, time. a true Jewish person, comes to know Jesus the Messiah. Every time it takes an act of God. Wow! It takes an act of God for anyone. Mm -hmm. Let's get this straight. But with a Jew. There's 2,000 years of not being believers in the Messiah mm -hmm. uh, that that you're you're dealing with that has to be broke open, yeah. uh, almost like an egg. It has to be cracked more than a Gentile who perhaps has generations of sure. uh, of, of Christians in sure. in their ancestry. But with me, there are a couple a couple ingredients. Uh, number one, I remember as a young child, I would. Um, be home a lot alone. My parents uh, were gamblers. They mm -hmm. played poker every night. Wow. And so I was home alone. And I remember saying to myself, I wish they'd come home. I'm talking about really young kid. Mm -hmm. I wish they'd come home. You can sure. picture as a young yeah, kid sure. would want that. Yeah. And then one day a, a thought popped in my head. Uh, at the time, I didn't know where it came from. It certainly wasn't relevant. It certainly wasn't anything I was thinking about as a kid. A question popped in my head. What happens when you die? And um, even today, I'm a pretty logical type of thinker. Right. So my logic kicked in, and I said to this question, you cease to exist. 
And then I started thinking, what would my life be like if I ceased to exist? And it became so objectionable. I blocked it from my mind right. for many, many right. years. Right. Uh, that's the first thing I want to mention. Um, the, se the second thing that I want to mention is when I was in college, I was a songwriter. Oh. <laughs> and I wrote a song, and the song was called There Must Be Something More. Mm. And I remember the words. Uh, the words went something like this, because I work, eat, sleep, and that's the way it goes. I work, eat, sleep, and that's the way it goes. And it was almost a desperation in my heart. Mm. There must be something more. And then the third thing you have to know is I was discipled by the master discipler, Satan himself. Oh. When I say that, it was through television. Mm. And this discipler taught me that if I became a millionaire, I would be happy. And I wanted to be happy. I wanted something more. I didn't know what the something more was, but I wanted something more. And so my goal was to be a millionaire by 30. Wow. Age 29, college degree, working for the largest stock brokerage firm in the world, assured a great future, married a child, and um, I was unhappy. So that sounds, on the surface, that all sounds great, but your life was a mess inside. Of course it was. And as a matter of fact, I remember Catherine Coleman. She had a great miracle ministry, and she used to say, I am the plainest of people. The fact that God used me astounds me because I have nothing to offer. Well, I had—I was worse than her. Mm. I, I messed up in every—I left my wife. I'm not proud of this, but I left my wife, I left my daughter, I left my job, and I went searching for happiness. And uh, at the end of the year, I was in worse shape than mm. before, because I was 29. Remember what I wanted to be before 30? Yes. A millionaire, and I could see it slipping away. <laughs> oh, no, it's getting close. Uh, yeah. Uh, I met a couple of uh, men. And they took a liking to me, and they said, Sid, if you ever want to go into business for yourself, we'll give you a free office, uh, free rent, free secretary, free telephone to help you get started. So I started my own business, um, and I, I, I thought this was wonderful. And then uh, someone came into my office and said, uh, Sid, one of my salesmen uh, just took a course in which he learned how to meditate, mm -hmm. and as a result, new things that had never been taught him. And, uh, and I immediately thought, as a stockbroker, wow, if I know things that have never been programmed about <laughs> the future, I can become a millionaire. It's not too late. <laughs> so I took this course. They taught me how to lower my brain waves through uh, uh, mental exercise. And when I got into this very passive state, uh, almost like sleep, invite an imaginary friend in. And this imaginary oh. friend actually started telling me things about the future, and I thought I was going to have the answer to my prayer. I right. would be a millionaire. Right. I was 29. I'd be a millionaire by the time that I'm 30. But then one day, 
these two men that offered me all this free stuff, they were dealing with a power, too, that I didn't realize they were real Christians. And God said to them, I'll never forget this, God said, you see that guy in your office? You will never see someone as far away from me as that guy. Wow. I mean, I was involved in almost every sin that we mm. know is mm -hmm. defined as sin mm -hmm. from the Bible. Um, and it didn't bother my conscience because my role models were all doing that. So I thought, that's normal. I didn't know any better. Now, I'm not excusing myself, sure. but I literally, that was what I thought was normal. Did they tell you that God told them this about you? Yeah, they, that's how I knew about it. So one day, one of the two walks in my office, because he saw me really deep into the New Age and the mm. occult, and he mm -hmm. said, Sid, did you know God condemns in your own Torah? You doing that? And he pulled out Deuteronomy 18, and everything I was doing, God called an abomination. Now, remember, uh, I believed there was a God. I just felt he was doing his thing and I'm doing my thing. And because I'm Jewish, my base is covered. Mm. Um, and, and so he was irrelevant in my right. life. Right. Uh, but but uh, just in case, Donna, <laughs> I decided I would uh, stop dealing with this counselor. That's what they called this imaginary thing. And by the way, you know what he said? That wasn't a counselor. He says, that's a demon from hell. And I thought, oh, you're, you're crazy. Yes. Uh, and, and so, and then a book came into my hand called The Jew, the Bible, and the Supernatural. And it said something none of these Christians said to me. What it said was that for a Gentile to be involved in the supernatural that's not of God, mm -hmm. it's dangerous. Right. It's life-threatening, right. as a matter of fact. Right. But for a Jew to be involved, it's worse. The Jew is under a con contract or a covenant with God, mm. like it or not, know it or not. The Gentile never had the covenant until they become a Christian. And, and so then it lists famous Jewish people that lost their life from doing everything I was doing. I mean, I was going to fortune tellers, yes. uh, uh, psychics, um, because uh, of your interest in the supernatural, yeah, uh, you were, you were so boards, interested. Yes, uh, you know anything along those lines, uh, and, and it lists these things. God says an abomination. Why does He say it's an abomination? Because God says I'm a jealous God. Mm -hmm. You want to deal with the real supernatural? You come to me. You don't. You don't go to a cheap imitation of me. Uh, and and so. Um, uh, I, I read this book, and all these people that were my idols, I remember Brian Epstein, the manager of the Beatles, yes. the only Jew. They all went to, all the Beatles went to the Himalayas. All the Beatles did things that are abomination to God, mm. but only one died, the Jew, the Jewish manager, Brian Epstein. And so I, I really got scared. Yeah. Um, and I, I decided, you know, I, I, I'll go to another New Age meeting. And I went to it, and I broke into a realm, Donna, that is forbidden also. Yes. It's called astro projection. Oh, that nice. is actually 
a cheap counterfeit of an authentic where, uh, where, where Philip was talking to the Ethiopian eunuch, and he found himself in another city afterwards. He was translated. Mm. Well, that's—see, the, all the devil can do is counterfeit the authentic. Right. I like the authentic, personally. So I was afraid I would leave my body um, and, uh, uh, you know, where I'm, I'm doing this uh, astral projection right. and not make it back in time, and I'd be buried alive. And Rod Serling never <laughs> had um, the thoughts going through my mind on his science fiction. I was fiction. just thinking about that. You had a million things going on at one time there, oh. so many things going on in your head. Some of these things had to be going on in your heart as well. Tell me about that night. What was going on inside of you that night when you reached the end and you cried out? It was the worst night of my life. I don't wish this upon anyone. Fear was so tangible that I was afraid to go to sleep for fear my spirit that through astral projection would leave my body and right. I'd be buried alive. Uh, I, at that time, I, I, I had uh, what's called a mezuzah. This is not a yeah. mezuzah. This, this is something that uh, we'll be telling people about shortly. That's uh, very exciting. It is. But I put yeah. a, a silver mezuzah around my neck. Why? I, I saw uh, Dracula movies, and you put a you have a cross, a silver mm -hmm. cross, and mm -hmm. I'm a Jew. I'm not going to have a cross, so so I, I had a mezuzah around my neck. So you were really afraid. This oh, oh, it's, mm -hmm. it was the mm -hmm. worst fear. I, Remember the young boy that says, "What happens when you die?" Exactly. And I tried exactly. to block it from my mind. It was flooding well, back. Guess wasn't what? It? Mm -hmm. Death looked better than life. As bad as death appeared as a mm -hmm. child. I couldn't handle—you know, there are people watching us right now, and you're, you're, you're at the end of your rope. I was at the end of my rope, and I was told that Jesus, the person I was told, the one person I was told I couldn't believe in, if I would pray to God in the name of the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, I'd be set free. So I had nothing to lose. In fact, I, was, I thought my life was finished. I really did. Now, were you sincere in your heart when you, when you said what you're about to say? Were you sincere in your heart? I was sincere mm -hmm. from the viewpoint of not that I loved him or knew anything about him. But as I was much looking as for said, help. Yes. I was looking for help. That was my sincerity. I, had, I was in a jam that I didn't want to live. And I'm a tough person from the viewpoint of positive thinking, et cetera, uh, and, and uh, it takes a lot to get me mm -hmm. to that point. Mm -hmm. And God knew I was really in the, that corner. Mm -hmm. And one—there was only one rope that was thrown for safety in the middle of the ocean. And I grabbed it for all I was worth, and I prayed a two-word prayer, Donna. Two words. Jesus, help. No classic Billy Graham special. Jesus, help. I went to bed, and the next morning, and it, I, I was encased in what I know today is the glory or the presence uh, 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 or, or the goodness mm. of God. And it was the best feeling. I've never been into drugs. I've, I've got high once in my life. I've never been an alcoholic or anything like that. Mm. So I can't tell you what that's like. Was this the 
authentic that you so desperately were searching for? There must be something more, and that's something more I bumped into for the first time in my life. I bumped into experiential knowledge of God through Jesus, and I had a knowing inside of me. I knew Jesus was my Messiah. Sid, the morning that you woke up after that prayer, while you were in this moment, you knew that you had experienced something real, something authentic, but then something else happened. You actually heard the audible voice of God. For the first time in my life. Yeah. And would you believe God quoted Scripture to me, and I didn't even know it was Scripture. <laughs> and He quoted from the prophet, Jewish prophet Malachi, mm -hmm. and He said, I hate divorce. Oh. Return to your wife and daughter. And you know what I said, Donna? Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. That sounds like a good answer to me. <laughs> uh, and, and God, I've been married now 53 years. My daughter is married, has three beautiful granddaughters. Wonderful. Um, and um, uh, God restored my mind. God restored everything that I had unintentionally, but just by my very nature, destroyed. Uh, yes. And, yes. Uh, uh, and then he put me together with uh, a wonderful Messianic Jew that I volunteered my services for because I was doing so well financially in investments. Right. I volunteered my services for, and he, he was the premier uh, Jewish evangelist at that moment to equip Christians on how to share the Messiah with Jewish people. And I got mentored by the best of the best. He's now in heaven. His name's Manny Brom. Uh, and then we started a radio show and the radio— Now, this is from someone who said, I don't ever want to be behind a microphone. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Okay. You want me to go there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Here, 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 here is what happened. I wanted to be on the business side. Well, Manny said, Sid, I want you to be my announcer. I said, no, get someone else. He said, no, you're the only one that understands me, and therefore you're the best person to be the announcer. I didn't want to even be the announcer. So I did it the first time, and I did awful, <laughs> awful. And I said, see, I proved it to you. <laughs> and he said, go home. Write out what you're going to say. Don't ad lib it, and uh, and I wrote it, wrote it out, and I was able to do it. Then, every time he was the host of the radio show, every time he was supposed to do it, something happened in his life, and unless I did the interview, the show wouldn't go on. <laughs> and thus it begins. That's how I got <laughs> into it. And then from that point, I, I had no desire to do television. Uh, I mean, I was happy. The ministry was prospering. Mm -hmm. I was a very happy person mm -hmm. uh, over what I was doing. And I get a phone call from a Jewish believer in Canada, and she says, Sid, uh, I've just deposited $25,000 in Crossroads Communication. She lived in Canada. Uh, that's, uh, they have the show 100 Huntley Street. Uh, and. Um, uh, and go start your own show. And before I could tell her, not only do I not want to do a show, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I don't want to do it in Canada. I, you know, I had all this litany of things. She said, goodbye. <laughs>
So I could either give up that 25000 and I wasn't going to do no, that, no, no. Donna. No. So I, I went up, and we did our first shows in Canada, and the rest is history. God has so blessed our ministry. That Tell we, me some of the things. You say God has blessed the ministry, and, and you're right. Most people know the rest is history. Here you are, the host of It's Supernatural. But what other things are going on? It, it, it overwhelms me mm. that uh, we not only have our anchor show, It's Supernatural, but we have an entire online network, seven days a week, mm -hmm. 24 hours a day, uh, no telethons, <laughs> no fundraising. Uh, we don't charge our broadcasters. Mm -hmm. We create most of our shows because mm -hmm. it's most TV shows, Christian TV shows, are the last move of God's Spirit, and praise God for that. Mm -hmm. But I see the next move of God's Spirit, and I don't—I'm the old— I, I want something more. Where did that come? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I want something more. And so we're producing as many shows right. as we can. Uh, I envision uh, moving out of this building to another building and having uh, our executive offices there and having this building uh, be, be seven day a week, 24 hour a day production facility. Mm, uh, yes. Because yes. this new move of God, uh, it, it, it's here, but it's here at such a low level that most Christians aren't aware of it. Uh, we also have simultaneously uh, uh, God supernaturally allowed us to purchase the crown jewel of the Middle East. Near and dear to your heart. That is mm -hmm. Middle East TV. Mm -hmm. Every home in Israel that owns a television gets our, uh, our, our network on regular television. Mm -hmm. Every, uh, throughout the entire Middle East, they pick up our network. So what do we have? We're reaching the Jews and the Arabs, and that's called a classic, one new man or one new humanity. And I, I'm going to tell you what I see. I see at least a billion souls yes, coming to the yes. Lord. I see us—our role before God is to be a point person, so to speak, to reach the world for Jesus and to spread the greater glory that the prophets talked about. Uh, they, they said when this, Amos says, when this glory comes, it'll be like a farmer having a harvest. He won't be able to get all the crops in, uh, and, and he'll have to start planting because it's the next year. There's not going to be enough barn space <laughs> to put all the—and that refers to souls coming yeah. to the Lord. Uh, they're going to have to be discipled, and the thing that'll make this, this move God different than any move of God we've ever had in history. It won't be one or two anointed men and women of God on television. Uh, it's going to be everyone that has Jesus inside of them <clears throat> that wants to make Jesus—see, here's the problem with American Christianity. We know how to make Jesus our life insurance policy. We know how to make Jesus our uh, uh, our, our uh, ticket to heaven, mm -hmm. but we don't know how to live this life as an ambassador for heaven. We don't know how to hear his voice. We don't know how to—that we have a unique destiny. Donna, 
You are a fingerprint. There's never been a fingerprint like you in all of history. I'm yeah. a fingerprint. Yeah. Yeah. My fingerprint is unique. No one has ever had my fingerprint. And you have a fingerprint. You have a fingerprint. And no one else in the world has that same fingerprint. And God is a good God that has a good plan for your life. The devil Amen. is a bad Amen. devil, Amen. and he has a bad plan for your life. And unfortunately, I say unfortunately, God's given us choice. So we take the life insurance policy and we say a prayer of salvation, but we leave out what, uh, what, what the gospel says if you, in Romans, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, so that's why you'll notice when I'll say this prayer in a moment that Jesus is going to be your Lord. And what does that mean? That means he takes over all responsibility for your life. But that means that he's your Lord in every area. Amen. And Amen. it'll take a lifetime to figure this out. But if you start earlier than I, it took me a long time <laughs> to figure out what I'm saying. You don't want to take 50 years, to, you know, and I'm still working on it. But the truth of the matter is, I was so sabotaged as a uh, coming before. I wasn't. I was. I came to the Lord when I was 30. I was sabotaged by the world, the devil, people, ancestry, the whole Megillah. I was not mentored or discipled. I, I went. I, it was unusual for a Jewish person to be mm -hmm. a believer in mm -hmm. Jesus at mm -hmm. that time, and so I was put on center stage, and I hadn't even read the New Testament, Donna, when Catherine Coleman interviewed me on national television, I had not read the New Testament. You know, I think, Sid, there's probably a lot of people that are hearing this for the first time and they see you, they see that authentic in you. They see that experiential knowledge that you came to. Will you pray for them before we have to go real quick, just that they can experience that for themselves? Please do exactly what the Bible says. God knows what's best for you. Yes. You are called whether you know it or not. You are chosen whether you know it or not. And God loves you whether you know it or not. Yes. But your sins are separating you from your Maker. So repeat this prayer out loud with me, and God is going to pour His blood all over you and yes. make this the first day of the rest of your life, and you will become normal. Uh, that's normal as defined by the Bible. Mm -hmm. Repeat out loud, dear God, dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I believe the blood of Jesus. Believe the blood of Jesus washes away my sins. Washes away my sins. And I'm clean. And I'm clean. It's so good to be it's clean. So good to be clean. And now that I'm clean. Now that I'm clean. Jesus, come and live inside of me. Jesus, come live inside of me. Be my Messiah. Be my Messiah. Be my Savior. Be my Savior. And be my Lord. Be my Lord. I want to experience your presence. I want to experience your presence. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and Fill fire. With your Holy Spirit and fire. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I'm excited. I'm excited. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Sid, wow, thank you so much for being here. I know this has been a special program, and for all of you that just accepted Jesus as your Messiah, congratulations. God bless you. We'll see you next time. <laughs>